blessed. So we know a little bit about him. He was a servant. His name means, uh, Obedinam means servant of Edom. So Obedinam was a servant and he was blessed. And through his son's names, what we're going to do this morning is we can see what it truly looks like to be blessed. So, so get this, okay? First Chronicles, first nine chapters or so. There's a ton, there's a ton of uh, names that have specific meanings and we're going to look at some names with specific meanings these sons today so abedinam i told you what his means uh but the bible is a marvelous and miraculous book and we're going to look at these name definitions and see what it looks like to be a, a blessed person but you tell me what do you think shemaya means we're just going to take random guesses you probably won't get them shemaya charlie what do you think it means Something that has to do with God, yes? Servant of God. Servant of God. Shemaya, you think servant of God? Okay. Any other guesses? Blessed by God. Good guess. Shemaya means heard by Jehovah. Heard by Jehovah. Oh, yeah, right. You knew that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, what about Jehoshaphat? What do you think that one means? Sound like Jehoshaphat a little. Mm. Any thoughts, Jehoshaphat? Kyle and Jonathan might know. What do you think it means? Something like given by God. Uh, it actually means, yeah, Jehovah has endowed. Okay, so what does that mean? It means Jehovah has given or Jehovah has uh, left an inheritance to. It's kind of the way you could think about it. Jehovah has given to Joah. What does Noah mean? Noah. Noah. Does anybody know what Noah means? I'm still waiting. Yes. What does Noah mean? Noah means rest. Noah means rest. So what do you think Joah means? It has nothing to do with rest, but they rhyme, so I figured I'd mention it. What does Joah mean, Travon? God is his brother. Yes, Jehovah is brother. Wow, Travon is good. Yeah, the Lord just gave that to you. Yes, interesting. Uh, lying in church, that's scary. Okay. Sekar or grocery sacker. What does his name mean? What does a grocery sacker get? They get they get money. Why? Because they got that God money. Uh, kind of sacker or sekar or sacker means wages. Oh yeah, you got it. Just before I announced it, you got it. Yes, it means wages. And then Nathaniel, Nathaniel. What do you think that one means? Wages is Sekar, Nathaniel is taxes. Yes. No, not taxes. Nathaniel is given of God. Yes. Yeah, given of God. So you can kind of see some some narration happening, right? Heard by Jehovah, Jehovah has endowed, Jehovah is brother, wages given of God. Like you can start to maybe put together some phrases that God might be putting together in these names. Amul. Like, a, like an animal? Amul. 
It's the amul. Look at look at that wild amul. Oh my Atlanta, there's a wild amul. Amul is very similar to Joa. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but you are, I suppose, in the right. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, basically. It's phrased differently, but yes. <laughs> God is daddy. No. It's my kinsman is God. My kinsman is God. So very similar to Joah, right? Okay. Now these these next couple, they might sound a little like strange, like they don't necessarily fall in the same uh, line of thinking. But it's a car. What do you think that one means? It's a car. It's a car. Cigar? No, not a cigar. Porsche 911 is yes. It's, and you look in the Strong's Concordance. It's a car. It just says Porsche 911 and has a picture. No, what is a cigar? What do we think? A cigar is something you don't smoke, Charlie. You don't smoke cigars, bro. No, you don't. There you go. It's a car means there is recompense. There is recompense. There is recompense. Kyle really badly wants to say the last one. He's had his hand up literally the entire time. His arm has to be sore at this point. But the pool thigh, you were just going for a casual day at the pool. Take a dip, cool off a little bit, but you found a thigh up in that mug. The pool thigh. Oh, my lanta. Pool thigh means? Well timing. A thigh in a pool. Close. Amputation. No, it means work. Well tied. Work. Work, 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 work. Okay, so we got our definitions here. So Obedidim, as we said, Obedidim is the guy who was housing the Ark of the Covenant. Now Obedidim was a servant, and Obedidim was blessed. Obedidim was blessed by God's presence. Okay, He humbled himself. He was a humble guy. He was a servant. And uh, God, God's presence was with him and he was blessed. It's as simple as that. You and I can be blessed if we would just be servants. If we would just draw close to God. There's blessing there. If you get nothing else from this morning, you can, you can take that. Right? If you will draw close to God. If you'll draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh unto you. And you will be blessed if you're close with God. Okay, that's that's you can take that to the bank. But let's look at a couple other uh, of these other names, and and we're going to really be gospel heavy this morning. We're going to focus on the gospel, and we're going to see the gospel in these guys' names. And I'm going to ask you guys some questions, and um, we're going to look at some verses. And so we're going to get to work here. So Shemaiah, um, Shemaiah heard. By Jehovah. So we are, you and I, are able to be heard by God as His creation. God created us and now He can He can hear us. Right? Who would have thunk? Right? It makes sense. So of course God can hear us. But imagine this. My daughter this morning was fairly clingy. 
She was clingy for whatever reason. I don't know. I was laying in bed, sleeping. The rain was great. And she was awake and hollering at me. Daddy, get up. Daddy, get up. Daddy, come on. Daddy, get up. And I was like, okay, all right, all right. I'm reading my Bible. And she's like, Daddy, get up. I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord, I need your strength from on high. And I wasn't actually frustrated because it was kind of endearing. It was kind of nice that um, my daughter was calling out to me. But what my daughter needed was to know that I heard her, right? She needed to, to know that she was heard. She needed me to respond to her, right? And that brought her comfort when I got out of bed and when I helped her put her clothes on and when I carried her into the kitchen and made coffee for mom. She needed me to respond to her voice, right? We need the same thing. We need God to respond to us. How many of you know that when you pray uh, and you don't, you, you're not listening or you're not focused on hearing God's answer, or maybe you feel like God isn't answering you, how many of you know that can be really discouraging? You know that's discouraging, like, God, I'm talking to you, but, ah, you know? How many of you know that when you're talking to someone in person and they just never listen, they never respond to you, that's like, oh my goodness, that's like what I do for a living. I go and talk at students and they don't listen to me. So I, I've gotten pretty good at it. Like, okay, you're not going to listen to me. Got it, right? It is a blessing to be heard by God. Okay, if you have questions about maybe you have prayers right now that you don't feel like God is answering, well, let's talk about that at some point. But here's the deal. If you would flip to Romans chapter 10, verse 13, and as you're flipping there, one example of God hearing us is at our salvation. At our salvation. Romans 10, 13. Who knows Romans 10, 13 by heart? I don't. Oh, wow. Dan knows it. Kylie knows it. Ken knows it. it Tiffany knows it. No, not the Lena. Kyle kind of knows it. Nate knows it. Lauren knows it. Yeah, it's pretty common. Romans 10, 13. Let's all read it together. Here we go. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Your salvation, my salvation, our salvation is literally as simple as saying, God, I need you. Calling out to him. Jesus, I need you. Right? And he hears that. And he responds. And you and I are saved. Uh, just from belief, from confession, from repentance, a simple conversation with God. I need you. And there's a response to that. So God hears you at the moment of salvation, but God also hears you, and it is a blessing when He does in daily living. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, if you'd flip there, I bet you some of you will know this one as well. Hebrews 4, 16. Does anybody have a Bible which, with pages that are like uh, like crazy thin? This is like crazy thin. It's like I feel like I'm turning one page and I, I turn like 14 books in the Bible. I'm like, what in the world, man? I can't, can't find what I need. Hebrews 4.16. You know this one? After looking at it, how many of you know this verse? You're familiar with this one. Okay, if you're not, this is a really cool verse, so check in here. It says this, Let us therefore, let us, you and me, those of us who are saved, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Whenever you're in a time of need, you and I can come boldly before God's throne. 
We can come boldly into God's presence, boldly into God's room. My daughter can come boldly into my room. She does almost every night. She wanders into the, the bedroom, and I just have learned to expect it. And I hear her little footsteps that are actually similar to her mom's footsteps. So it's like... <laughs> so she comes in with her little hooves over to the bed. And she like puts all of her, she like brought her whole bedroom in. So she's got her baby doll. She's got her water. She's got her binky. She's probably got some other things. And she just unloads them on the bed. And I know that my job is because she has boldly come into to this room. She needs some grace. So I just pick her up and I kind of toss her at her mom. And so <laughs> then she can go back to sleep and so can I. But she comes boldly and you and I can come boldly into God's presence when we need help. And God will hear you. God wants to listen to you. God wants conversation with you and He wants you to feel at peace boldly coming into His presence. He wants that because He's a good Father. But let's look at Jehoshaphat. So Jehoshaphat's name means... What's it mean? Jehovah has endowed. Jehovah has given. We are given all things necessary for life and godliness. That probably sounds familiar to some of you. But check this out. Here's what you need to know. God is a generous father to us. He's a generous father to us. God wants to give good things to you and to me. He wants to give us good things. And the first thing, that He gives to us as His children is our salvation. So if you would, flip to First Peter chapter 1. Like I said, we're going to flip through some passages here at the beginning, and then I'm gonna, there will be a point where they all kind of switch to being up here. But right now, let's do some work. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, you there? Okay, it says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which, according to His abundant mercy, hath begotten us uh, again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's what He's done. He's begotten us. He's, He's born us to an inheritance. He gave us an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away. It's reserved in heaven for you, you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, when you got saved, God gave you an inheritance. He gave you eternal life. He gave you a future and a present with Him that can't be affected. It's not going to be taken away. It's not going to fade away. You can't lose it once you've been saved. He gave you a really good thing at salvation. But He also gives to us uh, on a daily basis in our daily living. So uh, you don't have to flip there. I'll just flip there. But James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow or turning. God gives good gifts, right? God gives good things to us. And you've got the other cross-reference, cross Matthew 6, 33, 34. If you don't know that one, man, you want to write that down because that's an awesome promise that if we'll just seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He'll take care of all of our needs. Okay? You with me so far? We're moving and shaking. Next name, Joah. Let's consider what Joah means. 
Joah means <clears throat> what? Jehovah is brother. Okay, so get this. We are called, you and I, can be called brothers and sisters by Jesus Himself. By Jesus Himself. And Jesus looks at believers because if He, if he looks at a believer as His brother or His sister, He looks at that believer very intimately. Very intimately. So if you have siblings, you understand this. They might drive you crazy. But at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, that brother or that sister is still important to you. My brother, he's my older brother, and I have lots of other brothers from uh, Kylie's family, and I consider them brothers, for sure. Uh, but my big brother, I only have one big brother, and he's been special to me from the moment I knew him, right? I remember the times where I've disappointed my brother, and it, and it hurts to think about. I remember a time we were riding bikes in the street and all I ever wanted to do was play with my brother. I wanted him to play with me, like hang out with me because I loved him so much. I wanted to be with him. And I remember riding bikes. He finally agreed to ride bikes with me and we're riding in the street. It's uh, Hunter Street right out there outside of my parents' house. We're riding along and I clip his back tire with my bike. Clip it. Boom. Everybody say Boom. Boom. Boom! And he and he wipes out. And and one of the this is legitimately probably a top twenty saddest things to me. He said, "I'm not. This is like I don't remember word for word, but he essentially said, see if I ever come play with you again. Like I'm not gonna play with you.' Now, obviously, I had just jacked my brother up by crashing his bike, and I was fine. But it it, it probably made him more mad than it did hurt him. But it was like he was trying to do me a favor, be a good big brother, and then I ruined it, and I knocked him down. Now, obviously, my brother and I are cool, and he's played with me since then. But (laughs) at the time, that was devastating. You know, that was one of those moments where it was like, man, I hate myself for that. Because, Because I love my brother so much. And you know what? Just like you and I might love our siblings that way very intensely, Jesus looks at you and He says, I love you. I love you more than you love each other, in fact. You get that? You get that? Like, Jesus loves us so much, He laid His life down for us. And so, you and I are brothers and sisters, and you see that from Luke chapter 8, verse 21. Uh, we'll look at it really quick. I want to I I see Jesus tell me that I'm His brother. Luke eight twenty one, And he answered, as you're turning there, and he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. These who hear the word of God and do it. If you're a believer, you hear the word of God and you do it. That's what you do. If Jesus saved you, there, like, what other option is there? course God tells me to do something he's my Lord I do it because he's my brother because he's my Lord because God is my father because there's no other option right but here's the question have you obeyed God's word for your salvation so I want you to consider that this morning whether you are saved or not maybe you know for you know 100% you know you're saved I want you to ask yourself have you have you obeyed God's word for your salvation okay 
Maybe. Another way of putting it, are you one who Jesus calls brother or sister? Do you know that Jesus looks at you and says, He has obeyed my word and he, He's done it? Are you one who Jesus says, That's my sister. I know them and they know me. We walk together daily. Is that you? I know that I want that to be me. Man, I, I want, when I'm confronted with that question, I want to be able to say, absolutely, I met with the Lord this morning. No doubt. You know what I mean? I want that close relationship. So let's keep moving. <clears throat> Sekar and Nathaniel. Sekar, meaning wages. Nathaniel, meaning given of God. The wages are given of God. So the wages or prices, the price, the penalty for our sin, God has given or paid those wages. You can't, you can't put the gospel any clearer in these words. Wages given of God. God paid the wages for you and for me, for our sin. So what am I talking about? The wages. What are the wages? Okay, so if you are a grocery sacker, right? You work for, um, I don't know, the big the big uh, thrift store that I always wanted to work at. This may sound weird. I was a lifeguard. Hated it. It was terribly boring. I wanted to be a grocery sacker so bad when I was in high school. <laughs> I desperately wanted to. Uh, because some of my friends did. And it was like they got to wear like a cool uniform and an apron. And I was like, dude, I want to rock that. Man, that grocery swag. And, uh, okay, so if you work for the grocery store, it was, what was, what's that thrift store by your parents' house? Charity Thrift Mart. What? That's a thrift store. No, not the thrift store. I mean the grocery store. Apple Market. Yes. Apple Market's where it's at. Man. So I wanted to work at Apple Market. If I work at Apple Market and I work my shift, let's say I work six hours and I get uh, $3 an hour or whatever minimum wage is. Okay, at the end of my pay period, they give me my wage. Why? Because I've earned it. For my, my production, for my work, for my effort, for my actions, they give me money. They give me a wage. Well, check this out. Romans 3.23 Listen now, listen now, don't get distracted. This is where we lock in. Let's tighten it up here. Listen, listen. With me? With me? Okay. Romans 3.23 says this. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some of you have read that verse 150 times. More than 150 times. But let it sink in, okay? Let it be fresh. Hey, hey, receive it with me. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone, everyone has, everyone has missed the mark in terms of obeying God. We've all missed the mark. Nobody has obeyed God perfectly. We all fall short. Right? I like to think of it if, if God is right there and I just have to walk perfectly through life and I can make it to Him, we all end up falling down short. We can't get there. We can't do it on our own. And the, and the issue is this, Romans 6.23 says the wages, what we earn, the wages of sin, is death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, so what we earn as grocery sackers, 
as grocery sinners, what we earn is death, separation from God, right? Every, everyone in here deserves separation from God. But that wage or that penalty or that price is paid by God. John 3.16, let's see who can say it by memory. John 3.16, ready? The world, the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Was this dude quoting something from, like, the Book of Mormon? Uh, okay, so, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So listen to me now. Listen to me. Hey. God gave the penalty. He gave the price, rather, for our sin. He gave His Son to pay for our sin. He gave the sacrifice that we owed, right? Galatians 1, verse 3 and 4 says, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He gave Himself for our sins. Galatians 2.20 I'm crucified with, with Christ. Nevertheless, I lived, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. The Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. God gave the wages. Ephesians 5.25, here's a good reminder for us men who are married. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. And Titus 2.11-14, this one is really great. Lock in with this one. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That grace that God has paid your price has appeared to all of us, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. You tracking with me? God gave the wage. He paid the price for your sin that separates you from God, that separates us from God. God paid for that. If you're not hearing me, you're not listening. And if you're not listening, you're literally talking about the difference between life and death. Life and death. If you don't receive the gospel... The wages of sin is death. You can look forward to an eternity separated from God, from a God who says, I am love. From a God who says, I want to call you my sibling, my brother or my sister. From a God separating yourself from a God who said, I'll pay all for you. You don't know anyone else with that kind of love. And He's offering Himself for you. And so, <clears throat> Amiel, meaning... My kinsman is Jehovah or God. My kinsman is God. Once we accept that offer and payment for our sins, get this, we are sons and daughters of God, but this means we are in His family together. Like you and I, if Jesus is our brother, that means you're my brother. If Jesus is our sibling, that means we're siblings. And if we're siblings, 
Who was Jesus' father? God, the Father, was Jesus' Father. Okay, so who is our Father? Well, God, if you're saved. But there are two spiritual families found in the Bible. There's God's family, Romans 8. You probably know this uh, verse fairly familiarly. Fairly familiarly. 8, 14 through 16 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you're saved, you and God know that. I don't know that. But I don't know that. Rashawn can, he can, Convince and convince and convince and speak and try to prove his salvation to me. But at the end of the day, how in the world could I know that for fact? Right? But Rashan and God's Spirit, they know. He knows. I could look at the fruit of his life, but he knows he's a child of God. Okay, so if he's a child of God and I'm a child of God, well, we're children of God. But there's Satan's family. How many of you know this verse? John eight forty two through 44. John chapter 8, 42-44 says this, Jesus said unto them, He's speaking to the Pharisees, He says unto them, if, if God were your Father, so He's saying that to us this morning, If God were your Father, you would love Me. Do you love God? Do you love Jesus? If God were your Father, you would love Me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, Jesus says. Neither came I of myself, but He sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? Hear of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. So Jesus is, is, is showing us the two families. If you love me, Jesus says, if you love Jesus, you are in God's family. Right? If you're saved, if, you, if you've put your trust, your faith in Jesus, you said, here's my heart, here's my life. Jesus, I'm yours and you are mine. Well, you're in God's family. Celebration, we're in God's family. But if you haven't, you are in the devil's family. That's pretty creepy. The devil is your daddy. Yuck. Yikes. Creepy. Right? Not fun. So here's a couple key questions. I want you to first think, which family are you in? Okay, you probably know this. Hopefully you know this. If you don't know this, we need to know this today. Which family are you in? But, but also consider this, which family are your physically family members in? Which family are your family members in? Which family is your dad in? Your mom, your siblings. Because if you love your siblings, like we were talking about before, you're not okay with them not being in God's family. You're not okay with it. You carry a burden. You carry a stress. You carry your cross of desiring that they would be saved, of, of, of waiting for that opportunity to share the truth with them. But maybe, which family are your friends in when you go to school tomorrow? Which family are those people in? Because the reality is, some of them are in the devil's family. They're not in God's family, and they're on their way. They're on a cruise ship to hell. They're on their way. Jesus isn't okay with it. Are we? Of course not. We're not okay with it. Right? 
We're not okay with it because we have God's heart for the lost. No, we don't want those people. We don't want our friends to go to hell. Issachar, since the wages of sin is death, God's wrath will be poured out on that sin and on those who reject His Son. There is recompense. There is recompense, recompense for sin. There is a reward. There is revenge. There is a consequence for sin. So check this out. In Revelation 22, 11 through 15, it's up on the board after you get that down. Revelation 22, 11 through 15 says this, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. The king on this throne was terrifying. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. So you've got the book of life, and you've got these books. And in these books, you've got all of the works that we've done through our whole life. Everything that we've done. If we're not in the book of life, all the stuff. Can you imagine all the stuff that you've done? All the sin. All the areas where you've fallen short. All of your gross, perverse thoughts. All of your mistakes. All of your lying. All of your deception. All of your lust, all of that nasty, filthy life that we've lived in the flesh, all written down. And outside of, of putting your faith in Jesus Christ, you'll, you, these people we're going to see stand before God and He judges them out of that. Guilty. 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 He didn't even have to read through the whole list. I mean, he looks at the first one he's like, nope. Nope. Right? So what happens? The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to the works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And here's what happens. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found, in the, found written in the book of life, whosoever was, was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. If your name's not in the book of life, you're going to the lake. We're going to the lake of the Ozarks. You're going to the, the lake of fire. Now that's pretty, if you're not saved, that's gut-wrenching. If your friends aren't saved, that's gut-wrenching. If your family's not saved, that's crippling. I can't imagine... My parents, my brother, my little brothers, I can't my daughters, I can't imagine them going to a lake of fire. It's too unbearable. That's what God thinks. He's not willing that any would perish. Last name, Pulthai. His name means work. And because of the spiritual reality of the people we know and love, because of the spiritual reality of, of some of you in here, there is work to do for each one of us this morning, for the lost. If you are lost, okay, if you're lost, or maybe someone you know is lost, if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, here's your work to do today. John six twenty nine. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God for you, okay, that ye believe on Him whom He hath sent. You can't earn your salvation. Let me be very abundantly clear. You can't earn it. You can't do anything to, to, to save yourself. But the work, quote-unquote work, the action step, the thing you need to do is to believe on Jesus. 
The work is to believe. 1 John 3.23 says, and this is His commandment. This is the commandment. This is what God tells us. That we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. Because we believe on Jesus because, because Jesus did all the work for us. He did all the work. All you got to do is believe Him for it. John 17.4, Jesus is praying to God. He's praying to the Father. and He says, I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. I finished the work. Jesus was given a work to live perfectly, to live purely, to live without sin, to serve, to, to display Himself to the world as King of kings and Lord of lords. And He did it. And the world rejected Him. He says, I did what you, you called me to here to do. And then John 19.30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He's up on the cross, they gave Him vinegar to drink, He's hanging there, He's dying, He's been tortured, He's been whipped, He's got a crown of thorns, He's hanging up there suffocating to death for you and for my sin. He's up there dying, and He said, it is finished. It's finished. Did it. The work you called me here to do is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Here's the key application for us who may be lost. Jesus has done all the work for you to draw close. When we fall short of the glory of God, Jesus says, don't worry, I'm already there. Let me pick you up. I'm going to carry you to God. Let me just be the mediator, the in-between, the balancing uh, gap balancing bridge between the gaps so that you can get to the Father, so you can have life with God, so that you can receive the gift of eternal life. Let me just make a way for you to do that. And it's as simple as believing, confessing that Jesus is your Lord and repenting, walking away from your old self, all that garbage that you've lived in, just walking away from it. Be saved today. Maybe you've been here for 12 years. Be saved today, man. If you're embarrassed because you've been around for a long time and your parent is a leader in the church or whatever, dude, be saved today. Quit playing. Be saved today. If this is your first morning here, be saved today. But if you're a believer, there's work to do and you know that. You know that well. And we're going to do some work here for the last 30 minutes, but let me share a couple of verses with you to kind of spur us on here. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, if you're a believer, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, your siblings, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, abounding in the work of the Lord. You're all about the work. There's work to do and you're all in it. You're all in it. Philippians 1.6 Here's what we can be confident in. Being confident of this very thing that He which hath begun a work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So God's called you to do a work and He's doing a work in you and He's going to perform it. He's going to do works through you. He's going he's to conform you to the image of His Son and He's going to use you. Philippians 2.12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
You're working this thing out. You've been saved, and now you work it out. Now you exercise it. 2 Timothy 4, 5. This one's challenging. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, and do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. How many of you know it's a struggle to go to school, to go to your teams, to whatever, and do the work of an evangelist? How do you know that's hard, man? There's nothing I like more than than talking about the Bible with my students at work. There's nothing I like more than that. Than sharing the Bible with people. But it's hard. It's hard because there's so much to do. And sometimes I just don't want to talk to my students. I don't want to talk to them. I'm done with them. Leave me alone. It's hard. But work is hard. And work is what we're called to. So despite my flesh, my laziness, our, our trepidation, our fear, or whatever it is, we're called to do the work of an evangelist, to just open our mouth, to open our hearts and our lives to the lost. In Revelation twenty two twelve, here's the reality. Jesus says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. If you're a believer, God gave you salvation. He gave you truth. He gave you life. And He says, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? And Jesus is waiting to come back. And He sees that you're holding it. And He's like, alright man, come on. Let's do something with that. Let's work. Let's invest that. Because I'm coming. And I got a reward for you if you're willing to work. And if you're not willing to work, reward goes to somebody who is. See what I mean? So we've got this class. We've got this time. We've got the Bible. We've got each other. We've kind of got a structure. We want to pray. We want to have worship. We want preaching. I went over. We've got our, our rotation of different activities we're going to do. Uh, and, and then we've got worship again here in a little bit. But let me tell you this, okay? The structure doesn't get the work done. A structure, a plan doesn't get the work done. People get the work done. See what I mean? So what we've got to do with this time is we've got to divide up who is going to do 